Hello listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Just before this episode gets underway, I just wanted to say a quick message. As I'm sure you can all appreciate, the situation uh, right now with the new coronavirus is moving very, very quickly. And so uh, this episode was recorded about two days uh, before publication. And in that time, as I'm sure you will all know, We've had the sad news that Eurovision 2020 has been cancelled entirely. So I apologise in advance for any reference to a potential Eurovision this year in this episode. Um, We don't want to get anyone's hopes up. But in the meantime, please enjoy this episode of Europhoria. And welcome to Europhoria, a podcast where we look back on the great, glam and garish of Eurovision past. I'm Isabel Chilman and I'm joined, as ever, by a man so special to me that if we were deep sea divers, I'd give him my last breath. (laughs) As soon as there's no longer a global pandemic to think about. It's Roland Bodnum! Hi! That was very, very kind of you. That's very dear of you. Thank you very much. Oh, that's okay. Putting my safety first, but you know. Yes, of course. You also have to yours in terms of. But not I'm, yeah, music. I'm number two, so that's that. May, that means a lot. Um, okay. Hi, we're um, we're back with all the everything we said last episode. We're actually back a lot sooner than we uh, we were planning on being back. We are indeed. We've um, yeah, we've had a think. So, well, the last. Um, in the last episode, Roland and I did say we were only going to do a handful of episodes due to busy schedules and hmm. time differences. Roland is in New York. I am in London. In case you are listening for the first time, we're very um, uh, cool people global. that live in... Well, yeah, we're global, man, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> we're just middle class. <laughs> yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot has changed since we last spoke. Um it is a quite a scary time at the moment with countries all over the world dealing with the impact of COVID-19. Myself and Roland actually both work for the same company in New York and London, which has now closed its offices globally. And we will both be social distancing over the coming weeks to ensure the safety of those in our communities at high risk of serious health issues caused by the new coronavirus. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling quite anxious right now, me being one of them. And having some sort of respite from talking about and thinking about coronavirus is going to be absolutely necessary to prevent mental ill health as we all get through this. So, for the foreseeable... Euphoria is going to become a weekly podcast again. Yeah. Wow, yeah. it's been a while, hasn't it? It has. So not only do we actually have definitely have the time to to do this as we're both um uh quarantined Locked. to our flats, uh-huh. but I think it will help my anxiety to know that at least once a week I'm going to have a fun chat with my best mate. And hopefully we can bring some sort of joy to your lives right now too, whether you're self-isolating, unwell, or feeling understandably worried about what's going on right now. And uh, 
And we're not necessarily, you know, we can't promise every week we'll have a full story and full song. Um, it's quite nice, actually, because we think, you know, we'll be able to change it up a bit and we might be able to look back on old songs and talk about those and do some more kind of free-flowing episodes as well. But our main thing is, you know, as you say, it goes both ways. We really enjoy um, doing these things. And we know, you know, from communications we've had from you guys that you enjoy um uh listening and really you know our skills aren't necessarily that helpful in a uh global pandemic so <laughs> what we can offer which is a little bit of light respite from uh unending messages of uh seeming you know doom and gloom uh we will offer to you guys from the from the safety of our own home so hopefully we can do that over the coming uh, weeks and perhaps months, depending on how long it is. Uh, one, that the pandemic lasts, and two, uh, when Eurovision is potentially pushed back to as well. Mm, our uh, poor love, Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I'm excited about it. I think we're going to have some fun over the coming weeks. And if any of you, uh, you know, would like to reach out to us to say hi or to suggest some some new stuff that we could talk about, um, you know, we would love to hear from you. Uh, when in a time of increasing isolation and social distancing, I think it's a nice thing to be able to reach out to one another. So I'll, uh, let's throw that out at the very start. You can email us at euphoriapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact us on Twitter at euphoriacast or at Isabel Chilman or at Roland Bodnam. We're both on Twitter. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, I need to stop looking at it as much because at the moment I'm just infinite scrolling. Terrible. I've I've taken all social media off my phone now because I keep checking it and it's not good so I've decided to take it all off I'm allowed to check the news a couple of times a day for updates um if I need to contact any of my friends I have their phone numbers and we can talk on whatsapp and I can communicate in that way I had to tell my boyfriend yesterday he had to put his phone down I've Mm. had to ban him from using his phone yesterday because he just it's too easy to get uh, extremely anxious Mm. about things that absolutely am I not belittling what's going on right now but you look at Facebook too much, or you look at Instagram or Twitter. Are you looking at posts from medical health professionals? <laughs> no, you are looking at posts from Sandra who lives up the street who thinks <laughs> she knows about germs. So don't look at that stuff too much. Just keep yourself safe. And and even if you are, you know, even if you are looking at reputable news sites, which I like to think I do, you're looking at the same thing over and over again. So, you know, look at it once, twice a day, uh, get the information that you need. And uh, I don't, you know, yeah, we're all figuring it out as we go along. And I don't know where in the world this is accessible apart from the UK. So apologies if I'm making a recommendation that you can't watch in your country. But apart from our wonderful, lovely podcast that will make you very happy during these slightly sad times, if you do need a pick me up, just watch The Undateables. I've only recently Uh. started watching it and it brings so much joy to my life. It makes me so happy. You forget about everything terrible that's happening in the world because it is just joyful people 
falling in love and being kind to each other. Mm. And I um, sobbed watching an episode of it earlier because oh. it made me too happy. <laughs> and I can't. Well, and then I keep watching it on repeat, and it makes me cry again. <laughs> Well, if you can't find the undateables, find something that makes you happy and yeah. consume it till there's no nothing left. And <laughs> actually, uh, one thing that we get to do, which I'm very excited about, is this week we are doing a full, proper, full episode for the first Woo-hoo! time in a long time. We are doing, uh, we are doing news. We are doing emails. We are doing story. We are doing song. But the first thing that we are doing which I am quite excited about as well, is... (laughs) Isabel, you've already got something, but I would like a lovely glass of red wine. I am going to be drinking today a lovely bottle of Barolo from Italy. Oh, Italians. (laughs) Oh, I'm thinking of all my beautiful Italian brothers and sisters right now. I know. You spent quite a lot of time over there now, haven't you? Yeah, a little bit. My poor Italian boyfriend is yes. having a horrible time. I did text him earlier and said, I texted him about an hour ago saying, can you can you send me something lovely in Italian for me to say on the oh. podcast to all of our listeners? And he just texted back saying, something nice like what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Good, good, <laughs> what do you think? Good, Come something. on. <laughs> something nice like what? Okay. Come well, on. What you? What have you? What have you got? What are you drinking, mate? You told me earlier, and I want everyone to know for shame. <laughs> it's not a shame. I'm not just, shamed. Go on. I'm drinking a Bloody Mary <laughs> at, at eight o'clock in the evening. <laughs> I don't think you can have eight thirty p.m. But it's juice. It's vitamins. Shot, I thought it's shot. good. Yeah, it's better no, than anything I, else. I agree. And vodka, you know, clean, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna really do a pop. clean. Yeah. I'm going to do a pop. Do you it. ready? Oh, good pop. Good glug. Hang on, let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> cheers, mate. Cheers. Oh, cheers. And cheers <laughs> to you all out there. Yeah, I hope you're doing well. So let's move on and move uh, across to a lovely section, which is our lovely listener emails. Yay! Uh, We have a lovely uh, email email today. Someone who was very quick off the mark uh, and emailed us almost as soon as our uh, podcast, our episode went out last week. Um, And the subject line of this email is, Missed you! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. (laughs) It reads, hey, lovelies, you can't believe how happy I was when I saw there was a new episode finally. I've recently moved to a new city where I don't know anyone. So spending all my time on Reddit and YouTube has ra- has made my obsession with Eurovision even stronger this year. This <laughs> this is probably, probably my favorite year of Eurovision since 2017. It's so unpredictable who is going to win. And I can't choose which song is my number one. In my top ones are Iceland, Lithuania, Switzerland, Germany and Ukraine. I can actually agree this year... With your sentiment, Isabel, no way, Norway. By the way, (laughs) 
by the way, I totally understand that you can't do the podcast as much anymore, but we are all used to the agonizing wait from May to September anyways, so you guys are well worth waiting for. Thanks! Oh, that's so kind. <laughs> and, Thank and now you. We're, we're doing it even more than we have for the last two years anyway, so uh, it all... Hell yeah, we're back. <laughs> There's one good thing yeah. out of a pandemic is that me and Roland <laughs> talk we more. <laughs> Uh, lots of love, Hilda, from the continent of Europe and the country of Norway. Thank you so Aww, much, Hilda. Thanks, Hilda. Oh, it's good as well to hear a Norwegian um, yes, being honest about <laughs> Nor- Norway, Norway. Yes, I yeah, very much appreciate that, Hilda. Hilda then does say a PS uh, and says, Roland, would love to hear your take on a corona pandemic in a song. Mm. Uh, I mean, fairly so situation just got so serious here. I need some laughs. I agree, but that might be one of the most sort of minefieldy topics for a song that I could choose. So I think I may be steering clear of that for the time being, at least until things blow over but maybe a song about stop dying yeah right maybe a song like about self-isolation maybe but that's fun yeah that's the fun that's the fun (laughs) element yeah exactly but you don't want to we 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 are i think uh, to make a point we are going to do our best to be um sensitive about this topic but we are you know we're not going to be serious the whole time but i think we're probably going to avoid jokes about coronavirus or do our best yeah, to. for now let's for <laughs> yeah. now yeah uh, all right so that's that's our news and our uh, emails isabel are you ready to go into a lovely story <laughs> oh my goodness when was the last time we had a eurovision story Ooh, it might have been april even i mean maybe early that's may crazy. april do you remember it was that one about that woman and the nazis <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it was quite. It was quite. It's uh, quite a story. Um, I need to go back and re-listen to some of the episodes. Yeah. You know, my brain doesn't keep any I, any information. Mm, I mean, just generally in life, yeah. there's no, there's nothing in here much. I did one of those good dad jokes earlier with my boyfriend, where I hit, I knocked my head, and then I knocked the wall at the same time, so it sounded hollow. He loved that. Good dad joke. Love that good one. Dad Great dad joke. That one, isn't it? Give that hey. one. Go if you've not tried it before um so i forget i forget all the stories i forget all yeah. the stuff so i need to yeah. go back and listen to some of them so um you know in a time of sort of quite high anxiety and uh, nervousness i have decided to do perhaps one of the most anxiety ridden stories that i've ever oh, written no. on this show so i apologize in advance but um <laughs> it's quite a story so we'll see how we okay. get before before either of us has a has a nervous breakdown um so firstly for this story i just want to obviously credit um i mean obviously wikipedia because that's just great for everything always wikipedia (laughs) always um but i also found a lot of the information from this story from an italian blog by a guy called gavino minuti um so you can find that blog at gavinominuti.blogspot.com so thank you for that gavino okay let's begin Dori Gezi was born on the the 30th of March 1946 in a small province in the north of Italy. Uh, And as seemingly with all of our Eurovision stars, uh, she began singing at a very early age. 
1966, she began competing in various singing competitions throughout Italy and made her San Remo debut in 1970, performing the song Occi a Mandoria as a duet with a singer called Rossano. Unfortunately, the song failed to qualify for the finals, but that didn't scupper Dory's ambitions, and over the next few years, she continued making music, often covering popular French and British songs. Two years later, she met an American-born R&B singer called Wes, who suggested... Wes? Wes. It's W-E-S-S. W-E-S-S. That's the worst. That's the worst performer name I've ever heard. Wes. Wes. W-E-S-S. Terrible. Wes. Ah, Wes. Uh, so, so yes, the um, the pair found success with their very first song, which success was song with Wes. A six, a success <laughs> with Wes. They found success <laughs> with their first song called "Voglio Star Conte," which Isabel, I know you've been practicing. Do you know what that means? No, my Italian is worse now <laughs> than it was before I started dating an Italian. Oh no! <laughs> I'll tell you what it means. It means. United we stand. Shut up. <laughs> united we stand. Yeah, united we stand. Not quite united we dance, but very close. Oh, yeah, that was your one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after finding success with that song, they produced a string of hits together. Now, there was no romantic connection with the pair, although fans and, and reviewers at the time said that they had a great chemistry. They're like us. A bit like us, eh, Isabel? A bit like review- us. All the reviewers and fans say, great chemistry. Um, <laughs> in fact, in 1974, Dory met a man named Fabrizio De Andre, who was well on his way to cementing himself as a legend in Italian popular music. The year after she met Fabrizio, in 1975, our Wes and Dory were selected <laughs> to represent Italy in that year's Eurovision Song Contest which was being held in Stockholm, Sweden, following ABBA's win with Waterloo in 74. So the song song they entered was actually a fairly contemporary number called Era, which means it was, uh, where the singers... I could could have told you that one. Oh, you could have. Okay, sorry. I I could have have told you that one, yeah. (laughs) Feel free to jump in whenever you're just... Hey, it it was. Um, Grazie, I will. Okay. (laughs) Um, And uh, the song was the singers describing how different they feel now they're in a relationship together and remembering how it was when they very first fell in love. Lines like kissing at the movies, finding a hidden corner, blushing in public, talking in secret code, etc., etc. I mean, you know how it is, Isabel, right? Uh, <laughs> hiding in corners and back of the it's cinema. hiding in corners. Oh, this was the 70s, 60s. Yeah, <laughs> hiding in corners. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Uh, back of the I cinema, I just like though. just snogging in public. Oh, do you? I had an encounter in the back of a cinema uh, her Harry Potter film once. That was... Uh... <laughs> You don't How often old talk about. Were you? Quite. Like, well, I think it was like the third Harry Potter film, so I wasn't. I wasn't old. I was in secondary school. Anyway. Do you know once I once went this is you know one of those moments that stay with you to, for the rest of your life. Sure. Such as an encounter in the back of a oh, the Harry cinema. Potter movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. That will. I once went to go see. Uh, Dreamcatcher, I think it was called a Stephen oh. King. Um, oh. uh, what's the word? 
Adaptation? Adaptation. A Stephen Mm. King adaptation, which is not a book that I'd read before. But I went with a group of friends from school. I was maybe 14, 13, Mm -hmm. 14 years old and went with my ex-boyfriend, a boy called Matthew, um, f- I think he was my first boyfriend, but we he had was just your ex broken at the up. time. Oh, you just broke. He up. was my ex at the time. We just broken right. up. Um, nothing really had happened between the two of us. We were only kids. But I really fancied his friend Liam, <gasps> who Uh-oh. also came to the cinema. I sat. I I didn't mean to sit in between them, but they positioned themselves on either side of me. Isabel. Halfway through the film, Liam started holding my hand and I had to like pull my knees up into my seat to hide it from Matthew. <laughs> and then on the other side of me, about 10 minutes later, Matthew then started holding my other hand. No. Horror. The horror. Oh my it was <laughs> Honestly, my cheeks are going red right now thinking about it. I was thir- probably 13, 14 years yeah. old when this happened. Definitely 13, 14. Oh my God. And it was the most horrifying um, <laughs> moment of my entire life. <laughs> I bet if you if you watched Stephen King's Dreamcatcher now, you would have like flashbacks to that to that moment. I have flashbacks right now. I can oh, vividly no. remember this happening. Uh, spoiler: I did end up going out with Liam for a little while afterwards. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, he made a move, you. and uh, you know, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> enough about dalliances in the back of the cinema. Would you like to take a listen to uh, Dory Jezzy and Wes's era? Yes, please. My boyfriend's not going to be happy with me saying this, but oh. because Italians don't like, ba- I'm sorry to any Italians listening, but basically Italians don't like you talking shit about Italy <laughs> in any sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But to say that's 1975 and they mm. have a white woman and a black man singing on yeah. stage, I am actually very impressed by that. It's very progressive. Not so great with the racism normally. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, No, very very progressive at the time. And I think um, actually it was quite, you know, it felt, I mean, obviously not contemporary now, but it did seem quite sort of contemporary and... um, yeah, it's quite quite a good song. So so actually, on the night itself, the song did do really well. It got twelve points from Monaco and ten points Ooh. each from Switzerland, Yugoslavia, United Kingdom, Malta, and Portugal, as well as loads of others. It did so well, in fact, that Italy was in contention for the top of the board. However, that year the hot competition was the Netherlands with the song "Ding a Dong," which, as we know, oh. eventually. <laughs> one out leaving italy in third place behind the united kingdom in second so when the lights went down on the eurovision stage the pair did continue to perform together and dory gezzi's relationship with the legendary singer fabrizio grew in 1977, Dory gave birth to her first child with Fabrizio and they decided to buy a 151 hectare plot of land on the northeast side of the island of Sardinia. Ooh. There, they converted an old farmhouse nestled at the bottom of a valley into a family home. 
Oh, lovely. It was lovely. It was a place which Fabrizio described as magical and said, It gives me so much joy to the soul. Even when you come home destroyed by fatigue, it satisfies you and leaves no room for concern. Living this dimension is the simplest but also the deepest way to live this land. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Does sound all right. That's basically what Danny wants to do. <laughs> oh, Just well, move there you to go. Sardinia. Okay. Well, uh, maybe listen to the rest of this story before oh, you decide okay. to go with him. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> it does sound very nice, though. It does sound very nice, and it's a different time. So, the three settled in very happily and lived very peacefully, often hosting friends and family members over the course of the next few years. What happened to Wes? <clears throat> they're still they still i don't know he's somewhere else but they're still performing together but okay. uh you know he didn't move in with them that would be weird uh well that's what i thought you meant when, didn't no you the say three the three was the baby <laughs> no that, he's in the granny annex just to come out when they're ready to perform <laughs> hey wes come out <laughs> got a song <laughs> uh no it was the baby wes is off somewhere else uh so During the weekend of August 25th, 1979, Dory and Fabrizio were hosting Dory's parents, sister and brother-in-law and their children as well as friends. Everyone was having a wonderful weekend. However, all was not as it seemed. If you were an attendee of this gathering and glanced out of the window to see the bushes around the farmhouse and happened to see them rustling or movement between the tree trunks, you'd have been forgiven for assuming that this would have been one of the wild donkeys, deer, or sheep native to Sardinia. However, if you were to investigate further, you would have seen that there were no donkeys and sheep in the woods at all, and it was, in fact, a group of three men, all with hoods over their faces, watching the building through binoculars. Why is it story moment? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. What? <laughs> By the evening of the 27th of August, the guests began to make their way home, with Dory's parents taking her daughter, Louvie, to spend some time with them at their home. By around 8pm, the couple were left alone in their home. After tidying up and eating dinner, it was 11pm and the couple were getting ready for bed. Dory was out on the balcony on her own when she heard someone running up the stairs in heavy shoes. Knowing that neither her or Fabrizio wore shoes inside the house, she stepped in from the balcony to see what was happening. It was at this point where she was attacked by two armed men with hoods covering their faces. Dory saw a third man holding Fabrizio at bay by aiming a rifle at him. The pair were told to lie on their fronts and their hands were tied behind their backs and blindfolds were placed over their eyes. They were then led out of the back of the house and put into the back of their car with two of the bandits either side and the third driving. Right, this has got real (laughs) messed up real quickly. Yeah, it turned into like a weird weird horror film. This better have a happy ending, Roland. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to send everyone to bed with like, uh, yeah, just a really, really, really this heavy was, story. We started doing the podcast again for positivity reasons. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I wrote this before all of this happened. I wrote this a while ago. Um, but let's, just, let's, let's keep going. Okay. 
Okay. So, if it gets um, real bad, um, I'm eating a clementine at the moment. We'll just turn okay. it to an ASMR podcast. Okay, yeah, we'll just all calmly, yeah, just talk very, very quietly. So, for about an hour and a half, the car and all of its inhabitants drove, alternating between rough, disused tracks and asphalt roads, until it eventually came to a stop at the side of a track. Dory and Fabrizio heard a fourth voice, who they realised was a co-conspirator of the bandits. This new bandit took control and told the pair to begin walking into the wild, overgrown brush. Dory explained, We got out of the car for good and started the journey on foot through the countryside that alternated between steep and flat and then steep sections, between brushes and brambles, with hooded heads. We walked for about two hours. After a rest stop, we resumed the transfer and even more rough paths, walking for a few more hours, after which, exhausted, we stopped, spending the night in the open air. The journey resumed the following day, following an entirely uphill path until dusk, when we reached our destination. They took off our masks for the first time, and the shape of the hooded bandits appeared before our eyes. So at the same time, some 43 kilometres away, in the coastal town of Olbia, traffic police found Dory I've and... I've been Fab- there. Have you? Olbia? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you might know it then. So tra- traffic police found uh, Dory and Fabrizio's car abandoned along a pier. Have you been to it? Did you go on a pier? No. Okay. Uh, Inside the car was a full bottle of whiskey and a pack of cigarettes, which matched the brand that Fabrizio smoked. Because that year had seen a spate of kidnappings in Sardinia, the police were quick to correctly assume that what they had on their hands was yet another kidnapping. Their investigation led them to a man who had, in the three months prior to the kidnapping, recounted drunkenly in a bar how he had been recruited by a gang of men to act as an information gatherer in the build-up to the event. Through this man, they were able to get a fairly accurate picture of everything up to the point of the kidnapping, despite still This sounds not like the storyline of Fargo. Uh, is there a kidnapping in Fargo? Yeah, there is, isn't there? That's the whole point of Fargo is the kidnapping. Well, what's the buried gold? There's no buried gold. Well, there's a fortune. There is buried gold. The whole Fargo. No, the whole I point know in Fargo, Fargo there is. There's no buried oh. gold in this story, though. Well, you've ruined it now. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it. It could have uh, been. I mean, there's, there's money, but um, it, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it's kidnapping, isn't it? It's kidnapping, it's kidnapping. There's, they're a format because, uh, you know, they work or they don't, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kidnapping. It's kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, continue. So anyway, yeah, so uh, so they they got an accurate picture of uh, of everything up to the point of the kidnapping, but they still didn't know exactly who these men were. Meanwhile, Fabrizio and Dory remained in the location that they had hiked to for a week, with dense thickets seemingly all the way to the horizon. They had no idea where they were. Their captor stayed with them the entire time and the pair nicknamed him The Toad because of his croaky voice. (laughs) Love it. 
The toad. Gutted, mate. You go, yeah, seriously, the toad. I, you go into they... crime, you get into the mafia, whatever. You think, I'm going to get a really cool nickname. The and then toad. you kidnap two people and they start calling you the toad and it sticks <laughs> for like, life. Like, oh, guys, can we? Um, can you call me something cooler, please? Please, guys. <laughs> Come on, it's not no, fair. no, no! You're the toad. <laughs> uh, uh, every evening, a member of the gang arrived to bring food and clothing. After a week of investigation, the police learned that Fabrizio's father had received a letter from the bandits, which demanded two billion lire in return for Dory and Fabrizio's safe release. Now, Ooh, for, how much is any, that? So it's about. With inflation, about two point seven million pounds. Wow! It's not not cheap, not cheap. Um, no, and they they had also threatened Fabrizio's father um, so that he wouldn't go to the authorities, which is why it took so long for the police to actually find out that they'd reached out to Fabrizio's father. So, Fabrizio's family commissioned a lawyer to lead the negotiations. The lawyer then asked a local priest to act as emissary during the negotiations. And together with a forest ranger, so we've now got a lawyer, what? a priest, <laughs> and a forest ranger. Sounds like a joke. It's Italian YMCA. <laughs> it's the Italian um, village people. It, yeah. <laughs> um, the forest ranger and the priest agreed to meet the kidnappers in the countryside of Arune. The kidnappers brought with them a newspaper clipping with signatures of the prisoners, which showed that they were in good health or at the very least alive. After initial greetings, the priest tried to convince the bandits to reduce the amount of money they were asking for as Fabrizio's family was unable to raise such a large sum of money. However, the attempt at mediation failed and the priest and forest ranger returned empty-handed. Uh-oh. After this failed negotiation, Dory and Fabrizio were moved once more. Weeks passed, late summer began to turn into autumn, and the temperatures began to drop. Dory explained, When the cold season began, they equipped us with a small tent to protect us from the weather. The information they gave us was that Fabrizio's father, father didn't want to pay the ransom. They offered to free Fabrizio so that he could pay the ransom himself or, conversely, to free me so that I could persuade Fabrizio's father to pay for his release. The bandits had us bound with chains so that we would not run away. One of the bandits who occasionally came to check on our conditions recommended that the caretakers treat them well. And, they com- and he communicated in correct and well-mannered Italian, expressing himself calmly and kindly. So Fabrizio gave him the nickname, The Lawyer. It is oh. like a... <laughs> he gets a well... And meanwhile, the toad or whatever his name is like, Livid. Guys, he got a well cool name. Why can't I have a cool name? <laughs> oh, oh, imagine being stuck with the toad. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, the lawyer's like, hey, all right, guys, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> All he had to do was turn up and, and sp- sp- speak. speak politely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got and he got the lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so more than two months had passed since the day of the seizure. Late autumn arrived, which, which means cold and rain in the mountains of Patada. The chill of long autumn nights on those mountains bites 
the bones, preventing the limbs from performing their function and the mind from thinking. Tensions were rising even between the gang members themselves, and these rises between the two factions made any attempts to negotiate with them increasingly difficult and fragmented. In early November, after a long silence and moments of tension, a second attempt at mediation began, which involved new emissaries. After a series of agreed signals, the emissaries met at the agreed place in Arune. The meeting took place in a calm way, which however was followed by a second. This time the tensions were very high and the bandits threatened to kill the hostages if the family members had not decided to pay, around, pay the amount of 300 million immediately as an advance. Other meetings followed, all unsuccessful. After a period of stagnation, Contacts resumed again with the original priest and Giulio Carter, who was a wealthy trader from Arune, who was directly contacted by telephone by the bandits. The pair's attempts this time finally led to a breakthrough, and the kidnappers, exhausted themselves, agreed to the release of the hostages with the payment of 550 million lira. So how much is that? So that is a quarter of that. So it's about £700,000. So still a lot. And how long have they been kidnapped for now? Two and a bit months, I think. Maybe three months at this point. Living in a tent in on top of a mountain. So well, um, I'm not going to feel so bad about self isolation. No, now. I know. Seriously, you've got you've got uh, bloody marys and and cream crackers. All the carbs I could ever need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so they agreed to 550 million with a uh, commitment that once freed, Fabrizio would pay another 50 million. This is a commitment that the priest made by giving his word, which. I'm sure as a priest in that time, in that place, means a lot. Um, A a priest now in Italy, their word is still still gospel. Uh, So it was understood that Fabrizio would pay this money once he returned to his house. And in fact, he did. So the deal was on and the bandits agreed to pick up the money from the wealthy trader, Giulio Carter. He went to the agreed location at the agreed time and was met by the bandits who took the money from him. However, during the later investigation by the police, it was discovered that Giulio Carter, the wealthy trader, had kept for himself 50 million lira. Shut up. That's how the rich get richer, mate. That's how the rich get richer. They steal from other people. Scumbag businessmen are always going to be scumbag businessmen. <laughs> and <laughs> scums. Uh, and so and so now was the bandits turn to keep up their end of the deal and release the prisoners. Dory explained. On December 20th, so this is now getting on to like 4 months. On December 20th, my captor told me that they had decided to free us. Around 3pm, after eating bread and cheese, we walked on foot along a stretch of very steep terrain with masks over my eyes. Two bandits accompanied me. We walked for at least three hours. We passed near a waterfall, then crossed a river. I could hear the barking of dogs, I presume near a cottage or perhaps a sheepfold. 
We waited for many, many hours near a road hidden in the bushes until late at night. At around 11pm, a car finally arrived, which loaded us on board. I was always with my hands tied and masked, supervised by the two bandits. After a bit of road, maybe half an hour, Dory was released into the care of the priest who had been leading the negotiations. Wow. On the night of Dory's release, Fabrizio stayed in the tent for some hours with his captor. The following day, he left the refuge in the early afternoon after the bandits had cleaned the place of all traces of their presence. Fabrizio followed the paths walked the day before by Dory. After a few hours of walking in the company of his caretaker, they reached an asphalt road. He was told to wait until they would come and get him to accompany him home. After a few hours of waiting, the emissary, who was Giulio Carter, made him get in the back seat of the car. He took Fabrizio to the house in Portobello, where all of Fabrizio's family members awaited. The bandits now had the money and began the process of laundering it through several businesses throughout the country. One kidnapper turned to a merchant from San Teodoro to make use of the money in his commercial activity for a high percentage of compensation. Another made a deal with a Tuscan vet to clean up the money. A what? A vet, like a pet vet, like a veterinarian, (laughs) not a veteran. A vet. A Tuscan vet. You do, you wore those vets, their connections in high places, aren't they? That is a sneaky way. You'd never suspect a vet to never be suspect, doing dodgy you, things. You'd never suspect a vet. Never suspect uh, no, they a love, vet. They love animals, don't they? My old so, vet was Italian. Maybe ooh. he was a money launderer. Was that the one who... I fancied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll confidently say yeah, that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pre, yeah, it was pre... It was pre-boyfriend. Yeah, it was it's totally pre-boyfriend. fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was a very handsome yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. Married. 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 But he held my cat like a baby, and it was the most beautiful was thing say, I've ever seen. Knew how to handle his animals. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> March 11th, 1980 was a turning point in the investigation. Police arrested the veterinarian Marco Cesari, who had paid the amount of 13 million lira into the Banca Popolare di Ciusi. He initially declared that he had no knowledge of the kidnapping, giving a very vague and bad excuse for why he had that huge amount of money. However, <laughs> someone's Alsatian had a oh, series yeah. of um, <laughs> serious had, injuries. I, I had to replace every bone in the Alsatian's body with gold, so <laughs> uh, that was, it cost that much money. Yeah, unless you're unless you're dealing with like a Saint Bernard with brittle bone syndrome, you, there's no yeah, reason to have yeah. that much. <laughs> <laughs> so. When pressed and faced with a mountain of evidence, he ended up admitting his responsibilities, giving rise with his confession. I can hear that glugging. Oh, you can, yeah. Sorry, yeah, it's that's nice. my next glass. No, I like that. <laughs> um, giving rise with his confession to the identification and capture of all of the members of the gang. Little snitch. So here we go. Sentencing. This is three years later now. On March 20th, 1983, Judge Mario Gabella pronounced the sentence of conviction against 12 defendants involved in the kidnapping. Wow. 
10 for kidnapping and two for minor crimes. The gang was made up of shepherds, a butcher, but also prominent people such as the Tuscan vet, Marco <laughs> Cesari. Shepherds, butcher, no, wait. Shepherds, priests, butchers, priests, vets, lawyers, toads. Lawyers, uh, uh, forest ranger. Forest ranger, I forgot the forest yeah, ranger. Forest ranger. <laughs> and a Eurovision singer. This absolutely should be a Coen Brothers movie. Like all of those, I mean, Fargo is Coen Brothers. It just feels like this is better than Fargo. (laughs) The cast would be so good. Uh, It would be amazing. So let's go through sentencing because we like to prove that if you do bad shit, you get put down. So Marco Cesari was sentenced to nine years in prison. He would have got more, but he benefited from cuts in sentencing due to the fact that he collaborated with police. Salvatore Maras, who was the mastermind and organiser of the kidnapping, was also sentenced to nine years and ten months, which was reduced again because he also collaborated with the police investigation. Graziano Pietro Porzu and Giovanni Mangia, both from Oruno, uh, and were both part of the first kidnapping group where they uh, did the home invasion, were both sentenced to 25 years and eight months. Martino Morodu and Francesco Giuseppe Palla respectively re- received 20 years and two months of imprisonment and 18 years and six months. Pietro Guerra, the group's cashier, was sentenced to 16 years and 10 months in prison. Iat Carmelo was sentenced to 16 years and 10 months in prison. And then penalties from four to five years were inflicted respectively on the two who were accused of the crime of money laundering. And finally, three years for the scumbag businessman Julio Carter, who is the guy who retained the ransom for himself. See, you get your comeuppance. Good. So Dory and Fabrizio recovered from their ordeal and remained married until Fabrizio's death in 1999. Fabrizio was cremated along with a pack of cigarettes and a scarf of his favourite football team, which seems like the most Italian thing you could ever you could ever pack do. Pack of fags and a football uh, scarf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's either, but the uh, thing is, that's either very Italian or very yeah. northern. It is very naughty, one of the two. Two in the same, really. You could I think. be you know, from Sardinia or Barnsley. <laughs> one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. One or the other. Um, his ashes were spread off the coast of Genoa in the Ligurian Sea. Dory sadly had to stop singing in 1999 due to problems with her vocal cords. However, she is still with us today and is spending her time managing much of Fabrizio's estate and is living a quiet and peaceful life. Oh, mate. That was so a banger. So it turned out all right. How did you find about, about that? It was, it was another one where I had to translate it all from Italian. There was no English articles or anything about this one. how did you even get to that in the first place? So this was me, this was me literally going through, uh, searching Eurovision 19 blah, 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 and going year by year and just clicking on every single name until I oh came up with stories. <laughs> this is where, where I was getting desperate towards the end. I think this was even towards the end of last season when we were thinking of doing some more after Eurovision. Right, well, what and year did you get up to? Because then I can start from the year after that. <laughs> this, this was like... 
<laughs> this was 70, what was it? 74, 75, 75. So you still wow got a few wee. left after that. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so, I have got some a story that I think I'm going to tell next week, which is, oh, wow. is Eurovision adjacent. <laughs> sure. I feel like I feel like we've got to give ourselves a little bit of we're fifty what, fifty-five. We've got to give ourselves some leeways. Plus there's loads of really interesting stories to tell that maybe aren't connected right. to Eurovision, but are right. um would still be interesting to a Eurovision crowd, if that makes sense. And I, I, I have I, this week brilliant. found out about a singer <clears throat> that I think would be highly relevant and of of, of extreme interest to the Eurovision crowd. Oh. Um and I have a very, very tenuous link to Eurovision, but I think it's worth it to tell the story regardless. Okay, yeah, I feel, I feel like you know, people are, you know, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think that's that's fine, that's acceptable, and as long as there's a very tenuous link beyond just uh, it's pop music, isn't it? Uh, then, uh, well, I mean, you say that. Give it another three months maybe, of yes, self isolation. Maybe yeah. we'll just go. It's pop music, pop isn't music. it? The, pop, the podcast just pop music, isn't it? Pop music, yeah. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I really liked that, mate. That was a really good story. I'm very impressed you it found was okay, that. Wasn't it? Yeah. Seriously, yeah. It was. It was too, too. As I say, Wikipedia and one blog that pretty much was the the um, whole source of that, which was uh, amazing. But yeah, all all. All proper. There's photos and everything at their house. The house looks lovely. I mean, if if you know, if that's what Danny wants to do, it looks it does look very beautiful. I'd gladly come visit. <laughs> so, well, as I long mean, as they're not the, bandits. It's the plan in the long run, really. Yeah, just go sod off lovely. to Sardinia. Went and stayed in a donkey sanctuary last year, and it was gorgeous. The Thank woman you. who built oh. it and run runs it and has run it for years. Her and her husband. She was an architect from the mainland in in Italy. Oh yeah, moved over there in the early nineties. Built this Just... amazing B and B <laughs> from literally it was like a it was a shed. Oh. It was a donkey shed on a big plot of land, and now. Every day, yeah, she's got stuff to do. Like she's got a dog and she's got the donkeys and she looks after them. But pretty much every day between the hours of 12 and 3 p.m., she just sunbathes. Just, oh. Just sunbathes, doesn't she? Then she goes and feeds the donkey and she's just got a lovely dog. (laughs) That sounds well nice, mate. It's all right, isn't it? I'll come visit. I'll come stay in your B&B. That sounds great. It's going to be my commune. All right, then. Well, Isabel, shall we move on to this next bit? Um... (laughs) To a to a to a bloody yeah, song. Yes. Uh, so, uh, as you and I have both been saying, Eurovision is becoming more and more contemporary with artists like Mahmood and Conan Osiris last year, and you know just what we were saying last week about how the UK shouldn't really be writing what they think is a Eurovision song, rather like just a current hit song, regardless of its purpose. So, mm-hmm. I've been looking at the world outside of Eurovision for inspiration. So I looked at some themes from one of the world's hottest current pop stars, someone who is perhaps at the pinnacle of pop stardom right now, and that is one Billie Eilish. Oh, so I love Billie Eilish. I lo- love Billie as well. Billie, with lyrics like, I'm that bad type, Make your mum a sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, I might seduce your dad type. I realise <laughs> that there's a trend, it's just a great line, there's a trend of songs celebrate being, celebrating being bad, 
difficult or naughty. So I've written my <laughs> Billy Eilish is so naughty. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Naughty girl. So I've written my own song as well about being rebellious and the bad boy. <laughs> so this is a song called Irresponsible. Woman, you don't know. I live my life like a traveling show. There's no start and there's no end I'll drive you crazy, drive you round the bend Oh, pretty baby, I'm driving you crazy I'll be the worst, I'm irresponsible One day I'll be near, the next I won't be here I'll be your nightmare, irresponsible Let's swim straight after lunch Cause I'm the bad guy of the bunch Do my laundry all at once I just don't care Money savings not for me Cause I'm just living presently I keep my planet future free Irresponsibly Unreliable It's undeniable Don't take it personal I'm irresponsible And I don't care at all it's unforgivable, I'm really terrible I'm irresponsible Woman, over there I see you look and feel your naked stare Before you approach I've got to tell you not to get too close I'm scary and dangerous You better get courageous Things can get outrageous irresponsibly Close my eyes when I'm driving my car Bring my own snacks to the cinema Baby rules don't apply to me living dangerously Drink a bottle of wine on my own Maybe other food on the app on my phone Spend a lot of money on delivery irresponsible Unreliable It's undeniable don't take it personal I'm irresponsible And I don't care at all It's unforgivable I'm really terrible I'm irresponsible I'm the kind of guy who forgets a birthday Thinking it was March when it actually was May Then I'd realise with a day to spare I'd buy a nice card and there'd be underwear So listen real close if you wanna date me Hope you're ready for a ride cause I'm wild and free In a zoo you see the lions through a safety glass Well baby I'm your lion here to smash that glass Unreliable It's undeniable Don't take it personal I'm irresponsible And I don't care at all it's unforgivable. I'm really terrible. I'm irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uh, irresponsible. A song all about being naughty and bad. Uh, <laughs> Isabel. What did you think? Uh, my cheeks hurt from laughing too much. Oh, oh. <laughs> now I like to make you laugh. Oh my goodness. Well, after a 12 month hiatus <laughs> that is exactly what i needed to, oh <laughs> to- <laughs> mate i mean 
felt like it was it was true to myself. Oh, you know, it, it was, was true so, to who I it am. It was so Roland Bodnam. <laughs> yeah, you could uh, hear it was you a mile away. Um, that has just honestly, my cheeks hurt so much right now. Yeah, I mean. You know, I thought, I, I, you know, Billie Eilish, she, she, she's quite scary sometimes. Do you sometimes. think that was very Billie and Eilish? No. Uh, <laughs> I think it was inspired by, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to say like, oh, you are, I'll carry a knife around with me and stuff like that. I, you know, true to me, like... Sometimes when I take my own food into the cinema, I feel... I almost just you know, spat my wine onto my bed sheets then when you said that. <laughs> no, it was very you. It was exactly It was exactly very you. Sometimes you swim after lunch, whatever. Yeah, sometimes you take snacks to yeah, the cinema. Yeah, whatever. I honestly felt quite a pang of guilt when you did the missed birthday piece because I did miss your birthday oh. last month. <laughs> Yeah, but that's it, is that I, I, it's true to myself as well, because there are many birthdays that I miss as well. And so it's, it's, you know, uh, no, absolutely. So Roland, Roland was in the UK a couple of weeks ago because it was his nan's birthday. And we all yeah. went for dinner. There was a group of us that went for dinner because Roland and his wonderful girlfriend Caroline went over. And I got to the bar first. No, well, I got there second after Roland's friend Bob who I've met many times yeah. and so me and Bob were the first ones there we sat and had a drink and Bob goes oh when was the last time I saw you maybe it was Roland's birthday last year and I was like oh yeah it was 30th um when we went to, we watched the we watched Melody Festival and yeah. the Swedish church together yeah. and I said yeah but it's not his birthday this year it's not why he's here he's here for his nan's birthday and Bob went oh yeah but it is his birthday I was like what because <laughs> yeah it was his birthday last week what? And I'm there madly searching the calendar in my phone. What are you on about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I yeah, no, it's right. I forgot, but I, I looked. Yeah, it's no, it definitely is. I looked on Facebook. <laughs> I'm then, I then text Hannah, mine and Roland's friend, good friend Hannah, oh, like the third piece of our little puzzle and said, mate, we missed his birthday last week. We really fucked up. She texts back. Oh no, I text him saying happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for telling mate, me. So, like but like that's the crazy thing is like like that you you might say that's being oblivious, but then I'm so oblivious that I didn't even realise that you hadn't <laughs> said anything. So I was like I was like oh I didn't even realise. So it goes both ways, mate. It works it's both fine. ways. It's and fine. And I gave you um I, I gave you that ten pounds that your girlfriend tried to give to me for wine. So it's all fine in the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, song, so then? back to you the, like song. the song. Sorry, I love the yeah. song. It's. It made me laugh a lot. It's made my cheeks go a bit red, but that might also be the mixture of Bloody Mary and red wine. Um, it's very you. Um, yeah, you as an yeah. artist really comes out in this song in terms of the lyrically. <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. Uh, the rap. Oh my God, of course, after a year, you had to put a rap into a song, didn't you? You really missed it. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it, mate. I missed it. I don't think, I think... Because the thing is, like, what was the bit about the lion again? <laughs> uh, in the zoo, they keep the lions behind a safety glass. Well, baby, I'm your lion here to smash that glass. <laughs> I'm rhyming glass with glass. It's not. I mean, it's not the best lyrically that I've ever done, but you know, it gets the sentiment across. Um, I'm not sure Eurovision's ready for a Billie Eilish type. I don't know if they're ready for someone dangerous. So I feel like it's appealing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it might not be dangerous enough. This might be going too far in the other direction. I think, but, you know, no, I, I think this could do quite well. I think you're right. I think... <laughs> Um, I think Eurovision thinks Eurovision fans want the the Billie Eilishes of this world to get far mm. in Eurovision, but mm. actually, when you look at the kookier entries that are cool and kooky, not pop and kooky, they don't get very far. Actually, a lot of the time they get knocked out at the semi-finals. They don't even make it to the finals yeah. in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So I think you're right. They're not ready for a Billie Eilish. They are, however, ready for a. Johnny English version of Billy Eilish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just look uh, at Iceland this year. Like that guy, that guy, Daddy Freya, is like one of the sweetest, just like goofy guys out there, and he's he's in it. He is in it exactly. So they like sweet, nice guys. Yeah. I genuinely, nice guys. however silly the lyrics are, I think this could do quite well. I think this would be well wow. loved at Eurovision. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So should we do? Uh, should we just? Should we go for a? Should we go for a points? All right. <sighs> now remember, we're on. Uh, it's one to eight, nil to eight, ten, twelve. Okay. Oh, is, what do I do? Do I do a line? Do I say Isabel? I don't what, <laughs> what will you give? Irresponsible. Wheat. Eight points. That's pretty good. For after a year of being out. A year out of the I'm game. Very... You've come in with an eight. Yeah. Remember when you used to just get ones? That was... All the time, yeah. <laughs> All the time. That was a rough patch. No, this, right. This made me laugh. The lyrics are smart. They're silly. They're yeah. very... It makes you... It's very likeable. It's a very likeable song. Um, whoever sang it. I think this actually, you know, when we've previously talked about how you're not necessarily writing a song for you, you're writing a song oh, for anyone and any nation. No. Yeah. Actually, I think you are singing this one, mate. This is your song. Ooh, this is your hey, song. It's in my range. This is your song. I can handle it. And yeah. I feel like you would get minimum of midway up the left hand side of the board <laughs> fucking hell alright maybe I'll spend my isolation doing some choreography <laughs> in next year there you go done this one came that's a good backstory as well isn't it in, in self isolation done yeah, oh well in, <laughs> in that case let's let's finish this episode so, oh no let's not let <laughs> let's ask you to talk to us so you can reach us if you like the song if you like the story or if you just want to talk uh you can reach us and actually we're probably more likely to reply now than we ever have before. highly likely um, yeah because yeah, we just yeah want to want to reach out so you can email us at euphoria podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at euphoria cast and please 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 do get in touch as we said earlier, this is tough times for everyone right now. And this is our only way of being able to help in, in any form. So if it's, it makes you happier to send us an email or a video or your own song or your own funny story, whatever it is, please feel free to send it to us. We, we read everything, even if we don't mention it on the actual podcast itself. Um, and we will reply to anything that we don't reply to audibly over the podcast too. And also, before we go, my um, grumpy little Italian boyfriend has finally <laughs> sent me oh, so something nice like what, as he initially put. Nice <laughs> like what? <laughs> something nice like what. He's actually written me something that I can say. So I want to end the podcast by saying, Amici italiani vi siamo vicino. 
which is Italian Friends, We Are With You. Oh, thank you so much, Isabel. It's a pleasure always. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>